Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. I am your conspiracy asshole, and today's a great day for our service. That's right, we're, memor- we're memorializing the memory of Gabby uh, Petito. We love you, Gabby. You are the new sensational story, and every day I will talk about you, Gabby. And people are saying, Alex, it's insensitive that you're talking about you wish you had a romantic relationship with Gabby now that she's dead. And I stand by that. But that, we're not here to talk about my relationship with Gabby. We're here to welcome. We have two incredible brothers. The one, the only, the Airy Brothers from the Airy Brothers podcast. Fellas, Rich, Jimmy, how are you guys doing on this lovely Monday afternoon, guys? Doing well, Alex. Thanks for having us. We are stoked to chat with you for a little bit. We've been big fans for a while. We have a lot of similar friends and acquaintances in this in this uh, alternative media world that we live in. So, uh, yeah, as we were saying offline, it's an honor and a pleasure to uh, connect with you. And hopefully uh, Kyle will make an appearance at some time throughout our, our journey today. See, you guys are real fans. So, I mean, look, Rich, you know that freaking guy. I have Kyle the cat. So, And I'll be honest. Listen, and I haven't let you talk to you yet, Jimmy, but I'm telling you this. It makes me... It's it's weird. I remember this is not. I'm not trying to Hollywood this or anything. One of the coolest things I ever got to do is I was just an extra on the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and I was always remember um, like you know dealing with the actors and stuff. Sometimes they were cool. Sometimes they were like cringe, or sometimes they were you know stuck up. You really wouldn't interact with them much unless like you were like eating lunch or something. You might have you know run into them literally you know at like the craft service or something, but. Uh, I went up to Rob McElhaney and I was just like a fanboy. It's one of my, you know, first says, and I was like, oh my God, dude, I love you so much. I'm like the biggest fan. And he just kind of brushed me off. He's like, dude, don't, don't act like this. Like, you know what I mean? I like, in, in a really cool way. And I realized like, you don't, you don't, it's weird when somebody tells you they're a fan of yours, it kind of makes you feel weird in a weird way. So do you guys have that? Like you tell me that you're a fan. I appreciate that. Oh my God, that makes me feel so good, you know, Kyle. But at the same time, you're kind of like, well, that's weird that somebody even likes me. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you're getting lucky or something. You know, every once in a while, I find a girl that'll let me get lucky with her. It feels kind of like that. It's like, wow, okay, somebody likes me. Now my self-esteem is a little bit improved, sadly. So I appreciate it. Jimmy, what do you think about that when somebody tells you they like your work? It's weird to think that people listen to my podcast, even though you put it out there for people to listen to your information and the guest you're having on, but when someone comes up to you and tells you something about yourself that you don't, you don't, you don't know them and they just come up to you and they're like, Oh, I thought this was awesome. Wait, you listen and you know me? Like, it's just mind blowing. Yeah, it really is an awesome feeling. Okay. So, okay. We can talk about that. I want to say, I appreciate everybody that, you know, supports the castle, especially you guys. We can talk about Kyle. He's going to make an appearance, but I got to talk about this first thing. So I saw this tweet and I could pull it up, but you guys tell me about this project. So you're working, and, and I've microdosed. I've, I've taken all kinds of hallucinogenics, and I'm very interested in your you guys' opinion on it. But you're going to run the Boston Marathon under the influence of a microdose of LSD. Is that correct? Is that what you're planning to do, Rich? Well, I already did it. This was in 2019 that that event took place. But, um, yeah, I've been... Wait, wait, wait. You were at the Boston thing? when the, Wait, 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 wait. Slow down. When were you at Boston? When did you run it already? Hold on, let me let me get the timeline because I saw the tweet. I thought it said it's something's coming out in 2022, so that's why I thought you haven't done it yet. So tell me tell me all about it. I don't know anything. That's why I start from the from the beginning. 
Yeah, so I have been uh, microdosing with psychedelics in my training and my racing since 2018 and uh, ran the Leadville 100 while using microdosing. And then in 2019, when I qualified for the Boston Marathon, I decided I was going to go and see how much I could actually take while still functioning, complete the marathon. So I did a little bit more you know, of, of an active dose than, than a micro dose when I did Boston in 2019, but it was quite an experience. And that documentary is a short that we, Jimmy put together. And then there's going to be a, a full length feature that's going to come out in 2022. That's going to be a little bit more in depth and cover more than just the Boston experience. Well, I want to get my, my medal thing just so I can prove it, but I can pull up the picture. I did a marathon uh, in uh, 2020, January 2020, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I kind of jogged it. You know, I was, you know, one of the slowest times, but I could have used a handful of mushrooms during that day. I'm saying that would have made my day. No joke, just because my feet were kind of hurting, you know, and I and I just, I could have, I think it's also when you're on that, it, it just... It gives you this kind of energy. I don't know. I think it could be pretty euphoric because when you mix it, but this is one thing that people that don't exercise. This is the this is the one thing, and especially in endurance, every single day. And I mean, I'm a bitch ass, but I walk six miles every day. And I and the reason why I do it, and I don't lose weight, but the reason why I do it is for my mental health. People don't get that. You need to walk. You need to at least use your heart as a muscle to pump you know, all the blood through your body for your brain. Not not necessarily to get your waist smaller. That is an, that is another benefit, obviously, uh, value added benefit. But if you if people would focus on exercise for their mental health, I think we could almost solve anxiety and depression. So tell me about what you guys think about that. Alex, I am in the same boat as you. Just like Rich, we grew up in the same house, so we're both lifelong athletes. But at this point in my life, the reason I train, the reason I go out and move and do track workout is for my mental stability and just to be able to handle the day and what comes at me. I know if I go out first thing in the morning, I get my workout done first thing, everything else for the rest of the day is going to be easier. And I'm going to be able to adapt to problems or issues that come up on the fly if I have that workout you know, and if I'm getting super stressed, I'll, like you said, I'll go out for a walk, I'll breathe, just taking the air. It, it helps for stuff like that as well. And like you said, the benefits, you're going to look good, you're going to feel good, and your mind's going to be grooving and moving right. And you can, you know, if you guys like to dabble and, and here, somebody likes the devil's lettuce here and there, exercise when long distance walking or running, I'm telling you, it doesn't really affect your running. It doesn't affect my jogging. I mean, a little, but not really. I think it helps me personally, but I'm, that's, that's different strokes for different folks. Uh, so I, but that's one thing. What do you guys think? Is that counterproductive? Cause I go out there and I, and I put that pressure on my body and then I think, then I go smoke a joint or then I go hit a pipe. I mean, that's counterproductive. I know. Uh, but does, does, does my heart, I, I feel like since I'm exercising a lot, maybe my heart is, uh, counteracting the smoke. <laughs> but what do you guys think about smoking and, and uh, being like an endurance athlete? I don't think it has any effect. I mean, I guess, you know, I think it was Shakespeare that said nothing is good or bad, but thinking it makes it so. So I think if you go into that with the approach that, you know, this may be detrimental or maybe having a, a negative offset to my healthy lifestyle or my walking practice, then it might have some negative undertones to it. But I think if you go into it with the approach and the mindset that it's, it's, a, it's an aid, it's going to benefit you, it's going to allow you to 
fall into your body. It's going to allow you to be more present. It's going to help you get into a flow state faster. It's going to help you control and, and be in a rhythmic breathing pattern. Then it's probably a good thing. You know, I would say, uh, for you, my concern would be more of your diet soda consumption oh, than it's marijuana te- consumption. It's terrible. I have one right here. I drink 20 of these. Uh, I mean, I, I drink way too much. We're going to talk. I mean, this aspartame, I'm going to ha- I'm going to be like Joe Biden walking around the White House pooping my pants. I'm toast. And I and I don't even like them. Like, I drink it because I don't. And listen, I, should dr- I don't drink coffee. Yeah, I don't drink bro. alcohol. I don't smoke cigarettes. But, dude, when I wake up in the morning, this is how you know you're addicted. This is how you know you're addicted. I want a Diet Coke. And that's how, like, when, you know, I'm saying it's my brain. It's like, it's almost like it's dehydrated without the formaldehyde dehydrated. So I had to get off. But this is, before we talk about my Diet Coke, we can all talk about me. We can dissect me. I want you guys to, to roast me. I enjoy that. But this is, this is your right, though. Your thoughts do create it because I've been thinking about Norm McDonald. He was like, you know, such an awesome guy. Weekend update. Everybody knows Norm McDonald's resume as being one of the greatest comedians. And he didn't drink or smoke. But he had a horrible gambling problem. Like Artie Lang, all these people were talking about how he just gambled like crazy. And he died of like an internal cancer. And I believe that stress can cause cancer. So, I mean, I did that. Did his gambling cause cancer? I don't know. I mean, that, you know, does a correlation mean causation? Not necessarily. But I think that there is a guy that didn't do any drugs, still died of cancer, that lived, a, I mean, wasn't fat. He lived a relatively healthy lifestyle, I believe other than being a really stressed out gambler constantly on Twitter. So we can manifest these diseases within our own selves. Yeah. And to your point, Alex, there's times where you hear someone like Norm MacDonald, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. So you hear CM Punk, he's straight edge. I always wonder how these people cope and how they deal with their issues. Not, not to say that you need to get messed up or get hammered to kind of cope or deal with some issues. But I, I know sometimes, you know, you take a little puff and, things seem to fade away and it's not as serious or as bad as you were making it out. I just, I'm curious to how those people kind of ground themselves with not, not, you know, smoking weed or, or letting loose every once in a while. Hey, I agree. And th- listen, there's people are saying it's a psyop, this Gabby Petito thing and uh Brian laundry guy, but they, they showed them when they got pulled over she even said we don't drink or smoke you know we don't do drugs and i believe him for some reason i don't know they don't I, she doesn't come up maybe he smokes weed i don't know that but under, and she could just be lying to the cop but i also do believe that to be true that they might not smoke weed they might be straight edge and, and you're right we as human beings we need an outlet like we need a somehow a, a valve release i don't know and i'm not saying that you need to smoke you need to drink you know you know you don't need to have a vice but just you know something we need something to d- distract us from the the chaos that's going on around us so like i said it's different strokes for different folks but the the straight edge people i see what you're saying i could agree i feel like hey well, what do what do they do to relax but you know what a lot of them they have sex or they do you know what i mean there's a lot of stuff you can do that has nothing to do with drugs because there are drugs or alcohol because 99 percent of the stuff you do during a day doesn't have anything to do with drugs or alcohol so I'm sure you can find vices. They online shop. They gamble. I know people all listen to this. Gambling. What do you guys think about gambling? That's some of the worst. That I've seen that wreck families and cause you know more problems. And that's that's not physical at all. Well, I got cured of any sort of gambling very early in my life, probably in middle school, where we were playing blackjack at a friend's house at a sleepover or whatever, and the richest kid in in the school ended up taking everybody's money. And I just remember thinking, this is the most fucked up thing ever. I'm not going to gamble ever again. And so I've never really 
dabbled in that world. I've also had some friends that have been pretty successful at it and their, their motto is it's not gambling if, if you're winning or it's not a problem if you're winning. I don't know. I mean, every time, listen, <laughs> I've gambled a lot. I mean, not a lot, a lot, but I mean, over time, you're always, the casino always wins. And, and, and I've done enough research when the casino, when you do win at the casino and I've won at the casino, the casino just looks at that as a loan. They know you're going to be back and play again because now you have this mindset. Oh, I won. I won this $5,000. That one $5,000 victory night will make them a hundred thousand dollars. Cause you'll always be thinking about it the rest of your life chasing that thing. So it's like with the drug dealer, the first hit's always free. That's how it always works. You know what I mean? They never charge you for the first hit. Uh, and and that's there's a reason why because they want to get you hooked on that. Okay, so we're, we're talking about exercise, and I, you know this isn't the exercise hour, even though people you know do like it. But like I said, with the mental health aspect, that's the problem with society, and I think that's the what's bugging me the most when they're talking all these health officials every day. All we do is talk about health. This health that I haven't heard one person say everybody needs to go exercise for 45 minutes every day and everybody needs to eat a diet with more vegetables and fruits in it you know what I mean and and less processed stuff I haven't heard that from one person I mean just a simple uh you know we should take normal precautions for normal health I haven't heard that recommendation at all And, and why do you guys think that is Cause there's no money involved in that. You can't, you can't, you can't charge someone to go run outside and get some oxygen in their lungs or, you know, grow some fruit in their garden or vegetables in their garden. There's no, there's no money in that. There's no, let's, let's pay a huge corporation to kind of roll this out and make a bunch of money. I mean, they didn't close any of the fast food restaurants when 2020 happened. None of that happened. Those places were some of the few places that were open. Essential. They were were essential. essential. (laughs) Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, those were the essential places. They, they, and then, you know, notice all the health incentives are Krispy Kreme or McDonald's or free cheeseburger. Beer, free beer. Free beer. I mean, well, this. How, how are you giving me something that's beneficial for my health while, you know, conversely giving me something that's terrible for my health? It doesn't, it's an oxymoron and it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, and I've been saying since day one, when, when someone that's, high up starts talking about health and wellness and and drinking fresh water and taking things like vitamin D, fish oil, magnesium, any sort of a plethora of different supplements that you could take, getting exercise, eating more vegetables, like you said, when someone starts talking about that stuff, then, then maybe I'll buy into some of the things that are going on out there. But until that, I'm not buying it. I mean, I've heard Leanna win. I don't know if you know this, but she's the head, uh, you know, uh, virus expert doctor used to work at Planned Parenthood. And she literally goes on the network every single day and they ask her for her recommendations. And I have not heard her say one time, take care of yourself by exercising or, you know, changing your diet if you have a poor diet. I mean, now they can't even recommend that because we live in such a political correct society politically correct society that that might be racist actually you know that might be fat uh, uh fat shaming to recommend people to lose weight do you guys think that is that the case well anytime i've tried to have conversations with people about putting tax on junk food or closing fast food down or anything like that they say exactly what you just said that that is racist you're targeting low-income areas which have specific races in them it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with common sense 
and eating healthy. And we all know that you can get a tomato and, and some lettuce and some broccoli, and that's going to be way cheaper than a cheeseburger, you know, and you can make a bunch of meals out of that for, for a week. So the whole, oh, it's cheaper, and more affordable. That's just the bullshit that they've been feeding us our whole lives. And we believe. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why the, the McDouble at McDonald's is a dollar. Well, now I think it's up. I stopped eating meat. But uh, uh, I'm just saying we know that McDonald's is, yes, you could probably go to the garden and get something cheaper. But it also from getting a commercial food, like hot food that's ready fast, McDonald's is arguably the cheapest and there's other options. And there's a reason for that. It's a lot like, you know, with the vaccine. There's a reason it's free. There's a reason, uh, you know, and there's a thing called Tinstoffel. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's a reason why Facebook is free. There's a reason why YouTube is free. There's a reason why Gmail is free. It's because it's not free. We're giving them access to our entire lives, so much so that they can give us any sort of advertisement to influence us as any sort of direction they basically want. So nothing is free. And and there's a reason why it costs 99 cents for a double cheeseburger, because they want you to eat it, because somehow they benefit in the long run. Maybe, you know, Big Pharma is giving kickbacks to McDonald's and more obese people get. I don't know. I'm not saying that's necessarily true. But with what's going on in this world today it, i wouldn't put it past it if, for that to be true follow the money i mean everything's about money though but you know and i agree but also it's like this is the problem we're run by multinational corporations that don't have a soul i mean these are soulless companies you know you think the people that work there have a soul but they're just pencil pushers trying to you know, either rise the corporate ladder or not go down it so they're just going to do whatever the multinational you know the guy that works at uh, nabisco cookies he might be the healthiest guy in the world, but he's not going to tell them, oh, we should use less sugar in a recipe. You know what I mean? Uh, that That's just not how it works uh, because it's it's a huge company. The Oreo, the guy that works at Oreo is not going to be like, hey, we should change the recipe. It's That's not how the world works because those people run. It's about their bottom line and they don't have a soul. So the, the country is being run by soulless co- corporations. And we're screwed. I think that's the biggest crux to society. And these companies love war. They love turmoil because they they benefit from everything. So they'd rather keep us locked down, uh, being systems, I mean, being uh, stuck, being slaves to the system that they create is what I'm trying to say. Couldn't agree. I'd like to see if there's any uh, health-conscious-minded people that work at Oreo or Nestle or any of those sort of companies that are, that are, you know, like, I think it was, you know, uh, not Bill Gates, who's the other guy, Steve Jobs, right? Or both of those guys, they wouldn't let their, their kids use their products. I have an iPad. They wouldn't have, yeah. yeah, Steve Jobs couldn't have an iPad or iPhone. I mean, what's that all about? He knows. <laughs> and this is, there is something to this, you know, the black screen of the phone, like us always looking into this phone, there's something uh, ritualistic about it. And the fact that they have us all addicted to it as well. I mean, and this is the this is another reason why it's important to exercise, even though I'm a victim of it because I'm changing the song. It lets you put your phone away for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. You never do that, guys. You never not look at your phone. Because even when I wake up, I, I wake up to go pee once in the middle of the night usually. And then I look at my phone. I try not to look at it because it kind of wakes me up. But I'm saying I, I my screen time is ridiculous. My screen time is something like eight, nine, ten hours a day or something. I mean, something. I mean, I don't even know. It's ridiculous what it is. It's in the top 90 percentile. It's in the addicted zone. I know that. Um, and, and, and that's not, I'm not uh unique in that everybody's addicted to it on purpose so how do we 
break out of that matrix. I don't know if that's possible for me to. I think I'm I'm screwed on Diet Coke and uh, the cell phone. I'm toast. I think I think it comes back to having a daily practice in, in play where you can make conscious decisions on the fly, right? I think if you don't have a daily practice or whether it be make uh, waking up and doing meditation or whatever it be, but something to kind of bring you in, bring you present. And so when you're looking at your phone, you can have that little voice in your head that's, hey, man, you should probably turn this off. And it's easier when you have a good practice in play to kind of put the phone to the side. I know for myself, when I don't have that stuff in my life, it's zombie day all day, just staring at the phone. But I, I feel like when I compare myself better and catch myself in those moments, that's when I can start the ball rolling and have those healthy habits, putting the phone down, not drinking the Diet Coke, having a Zevia or a better option than that. I just think it comes back to awareness. You're hundred percent right. Like I, I think sometimes I'm being so aware and I'm this, you know, the Instagram model that poses the thong pictures. I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to unfollow her. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better, Alex. And I'm going to unfollow. And a little bit of that is like, if I'm dating, I don't want this girl to see. I follow all these like hoes that post thong pics. But at the same time, I do feel like I'm better because I'm looking less at, because that's not porn, but that's basically porn. You know, you're it's putting you in the this like- vibe. Definitely low vibe. Definitely low vibe. So, do you think all social media is low vibe, or can can we use can the internet be high vibrational, guys? I mean, we're all on this conversation because the internet, and we've all talked to some epic people on our show because the internet. So, I definitely think there are some positives for sure. I just think it goes back to how you use it and how you let the internet into your life, right? I feel like if you're not managing that stuff, it can get dark really quick without you being aware of it. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, you, you, you've you got to set some parameters for yourself, whether it's a, you know, a time restraint. You know, I have a thing that goes off once I've accumulated an hour of time on Instagram. So it lets me know and then it either kicks me off or I could postpone it for 15 more minutes for the day. Uh, you know, the other thing that works really well is uh, from an hour from the time you get up and then an hour before you go to bed is to cut off your screen time. Uh, and then also... I think unplugging the Wi-Fi, the router at night is also probably a good a good thing that's going to help with your sleep too. I gotta do that. I gotta unplug uh, the router. I can't believe you have the dis- discipline to do the timer. Okay, speaking of sleep, uh, this is a thing an old wise tale, or I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of the inverting your bed at fifteen degrees? And I actually have it. I have a king size bed that are on two cinder blocks. Center blocks is twelve inches, and so my bed is slightly inverted. And the reason why you supposedly do that is when you sleep at night. It helps your digestion because, you know, the natural force of, you know, it brings it down. Everything goes down towards your feet, towards your digestion. Have you guys ever heard about the inverted bed before? I have not heard about the inverted bed, but I have heard that you should have your bed facing east to west as opposed to north to south. I've heard that too, but my my bed is freaking south to north, which is supposed to be even worse feng shui is how it is in my room. I got to change it. Hey, you're supposed to be east to west or west to east, right? You're supposed to be one or two going that direction. But I think that only that only matters is if you subscribe to the ball or if you're married to the ball. Wait, <laughs> why? Yeah, you guys have a Dave Weiss. No, I'm not a Glober. No, no, I'm. I know, but why? Wait, why? Because because why? East and west. I think that. I think that north to south, you know, you're kind of spinning. Oh, because south is so wide. Yeah, south gets so big. Yeah, I guess. Well, shit. So, I mean, technically my bed is, I mean, my feet are towards the North Pole. I don't think that's good. That's not how I'm supposed to be, I don't think. 
Probably not. No. I do a lot of shit fucked up. What am I going to do? I'm going to die. We're all going to die. Not me. I'm doing the Elon Musk transhumanism. I'm going to they're going to stick it. They're going to stick a computerized dildo in your butt now. That's the new thing. That's why they're getting used to the space rockets. That's why they look like dildos. And and they're going to actually show you a demonstration and the rocket's going to go in you and it's like the it's like the bug in the matrix. It goes in your b-hole, and then you're going to live forever as a robot. So it's actually going to be quite good. Okay, what do you guys think about uh, transhumanism? Would you plug your consciousness into a computer and live forever? No way. I want to go out old-fashioned. I put my time into this thing. I don't want it to go on forever. I want to see what's going on next in my Choose Your Own Adventure book. Okay, Rich, what happens when we die, in your opinion? I know you don't know, but what do you think happens? Well, I, I feel I had this... My second ever ayahuasca experience, I, I feel like I was blasted into the ether and I have a, at least in my head, kind of this vision of the emptiness and void that is the afterlife uh, where you're, you're conscious, uh, but there's no, there's no physical being or anything and you're kind of out into the ether floating around like ones and zeros maybe, but um yeah, I, I I would much rather die as a human than, than be uh, uploaded into a computer and, and live on forever. No, I would hate that. That's actual hell. I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on do I come back? I, I feel like what you do here on Earth, I know this sounds crazy, and this is just one of my theories, but like even the roaches, the bugs, the cats, I feel like you could come back as something else from what you do here and you kind of earn your body. You kind of earn your keep. I feel like you get get more shots and you might not know what you did because I'm saying, I'm telling you this, when I don't even like to kill any animals because I this sounds weird. I feel like I'm killing a part of me. Like that could, this that sounds so weird. Maybe boot or something. It's like, I feel like I could come back as this animal or something. I don't I don't know. That sounds weird, but I have reincarnation. I, ever since I was a little kid, I remember hearing that first thing, thing like, well, we got to do this again. I got to come back as something like I just I, I'd like to think that you do this ride more than once. But I also I'm also kind of vibing with I, I think the stars are our souls or something in the sky. We something very close because, you know, obviously I'm a geocentrist, you know, and, and I believe heaven or hell or whatever different universes and dimensions that we go to aren't very far. So I'd like to think that maybe that's the highest dimension or maybe we have to start low and we rise up. And this is just. You know, we're having a, a physical experience, but we're spiritual beings and our spirit moves on into maybe a different uh, sort of vessel. So I'm kind of st- stuck between those two. But the idea that that this is all means nothing and that we're just a cosmic accident and my dad just had too many Corona lights and did my mom and I just got, you know what I mean? I don't I don't believe that. I don't I don't I don't I don't vibe with that. So what do you guys think about that? Do you guys think they're trying to hide the creator? Absolutely. hundred percent. It, it, life would be way easier if we, we all knew our purpose without having to question it and, and knew that we had all these powers inside of us and we're here to do epic things and work together and not fight each other. It, there'd be no control. But I think as long as we live in the matrix, we're going to play that game. And I think it's hard to negate that game. Yeah, I mean, but how do we break free from that like fake matrix? Like, I always like to think, oh, you know, I'm totally broken free. But then this Gabby thing, and I keep on bringing that up. You know, is this fake or real? And I, and I, now the NFL football's back, and I'm like, I kind of swore off the NFL, but I still watch the Cowboys game. You know, it's like this stuff that I swear off like the phone. 
it's hard not to still want to plug into the matrix to almost just fit in with the rest of society. It's like the narrative of, you know, everything's safe and effective, da, 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 that, that, the talking points, it's almost so easy to fit in, even though that's not who I am, kind of be a chameleon just so I don't stick out like a black swan. Uh, sometimes I want to almost kind of go back into the matrix, but uh, I mean, is that, do you guys find yourself doing that? Do you find yourself kind of tiptoeing in and out or going back and forth? Every second of every day <laughs> i go back and forth of do i want to just plug back in and forget about all this stuff that i've learned over the past couple of years or do i want to continue to do what i'm doing and and maybe miss a meal or two here or there or have some some different conversations with some people or would it just be easier just to kind of go back to the old way and and go about your day and have your groundhog day, day in, day out, and ride out to to ride off into the sunset of your existence. My question to you is though, we were talking about reincarnation. Do you think, you know, because there's you could go either go up a level or you go down a level? Do you think you go up on a level of ascension to go into a cat or a dog, or do you think that's a step below? See, I think that's below. I mean, that's below. But but maybe if you become a lion, that's a step above. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just saying that could be. Or if you're a shark or you're a whale, I mean, that could be. You know, could you imagine if you were, a, you know, a hundred foot humpback whale and have the whole ocean and or like a, a bald eagle? I saw on Facebook. I mean, that's terrible. But they they put a, a GPS tracker on an eagle throughout its life and it, you know over 25 years. I mean, this thing flew all over the world, and I'm sitting here in Dallas, Texas, with flew with a bunch of fucking cats. You know what I mean? I'd like to go travel the world. You know that eagle's doing a lot more shit than old prime time '99. I like to call myself. That's the real prime time. Uh, so maybe that is ascending up. But no, if I had to die and come back as Kyle, no, I'm better than you, Kyle. I love you, Kyle. I mean, I don't know. He's pretty good. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to work. They, but, That's but, what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but still, that okay, even the best golden retriever's life, even Kim Kardashian's dog or what, I mean, I'm not. I'm just using whoever rich person, billionaire, Mark Cuban's dog, even though Mark Cuban that sucks. Even their life of Riley, still not as good as a street whore prostitute's life that can you know have even you know even the girl that's been abused his life is still better than a dog because they can you know they have the ability they give us we have that soul or we have something different that opposable index whatever it is that we are above the the normal dog but me and a me and a lion no the, the lion is eating me for lunch and dinner are we the same i don't think so i don't know what do you guys think are you guys the same are you Rich, you as an endurance athlete, are you? Could you ever out endurance an elephant? Uh, I think so. I don't know about a hippo, but I think I could outrun it. I think I could outrun an elephant. That's what I was trying to think of an animal. You probably could, you know, one of a slower one. But it, they would have a lot of endurance. I don't know. I don't know how fast an elephant runs, but uh, but a hippo, they're fast enough. They're they're really fast. I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah, they have. Um, an absorbent number of uh, kills on humans every year in Africa. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. Have you seen them where they feed them the watermelon and they just eat it like it's a uh, Oreo cookie? Yep. <laughs> Imagine that's your leg. That would not be any good. Okay. So, uh, uh, what's your, this is another thing I have to get into and I've just been such a bitches. I got to get into my fasting practice. I know it because just, just for my, for 
it's a min- that's another thing. Even though I think the the physical benefits out that are really, I mean, it's a it's a mental challenge to fast, but you the physical benefits are almost immediate in in my opinion, especially like after a fast. So what do you guys think? How do you get into fasting? Or what, I don't even know what is your opinion on fasting. So I think, and Rich, correct me if anything I say you disagree with, but I think first you should change your vernacular and call it time restricted eating. Yeah, that's the thing. I think fasting brings a whole whole kitchen sink to people because they just think it's it's I can't have anything. I can't eat for 18 to 20 hours. And the scientific stuff behind fasting is really like a 48 hour process. So if you just call it time restricted eating, I think that's the best way to start. And two, maybe I think just start off with stop eating at six o'clock at night and then don't eat till 10 o'clock in the morning the next morning i think that's the easiest way to start i know uh we we had a gentleman on the podcast he did a movie on fasting and uh what he said is six o'clock you got to stop so your body can start your circadian rhythm with with the sun and you can run the proper cycles in your body so every system in your body can get that reset and then at 10 o'clock, you eat the next day. That has helped for me the most is stop eating at six o'clock. And then, you know, the next morning, usually around eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, you're hungry enough to eat. And you really don't have to worry about being that hungry. I think we can all stop eating at six o'clock and, and then eat the next morning. And it's not that big of a deal. I think the problems I've run into is when I've eaten super late and then the next day I'm not eating until like two o'clock in the afternoon. That's the hardest for me. It's easier for me to kind of turn it off earlier in the evening and then eat earlier in the morning. Those are some of the biggest uh, troubleshoots and stuff I've kind of figured out when I've done time-restricted eating. Yeah, the time-restricted eating, I, I it really is so important. But see, I have the the opposite. It's like where I can almost hold myself out till, you know, till it's sundown, till like, you know, seven or eight. And then I want to just overeat and not all the time, but I'm just saying lately, that's how it's been, you know, when I've been doing it, like I've been, you know, a few days in a row and then I'm just eating so many calories in my eating window that I'm not in a, you know, I'm not in a deficit. So I'm not, it is so important to do the time restricted for sure. But at the same time, uh, like you said, it's easier said than done. This is my problem is once you, I call it breaking the seal, you know, once you eat like one cracker, you mindlessly eat, it makes you more hungry. So it's actually the, 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 it's it's hard to explain this, but the further you are from eating, the longer the, the further the distance from your last meal, the easier it is not to eat. I know that sounds crazy; people don't get that, but the hunger actually dissipates. Uh, so it's I mean it's just a, it's, a, it's a hard thing. It's all mental for that first twenty four hours, the first eighteen hours. It's all a mental diet, and it's the easiest diet to do because it's a diet. Just don't eat. Just don't eat. I need to do it. I'm just sick. And, and the reason why I think that for me, the best thing is I remember when I was, my fasting practice was really, really, really strict. I noticed like a scab from the cats would scratch me would heal way faster because your body's not digesting food all the time. It's spending energy, you know, uh, trying to repair itself in other places. And like after exercise, I think that's almost one of the best things to heal after exercise is not to eat. I mean, you want to have protein and stuff, but then, you know, you can fast a couple days after exercise. I think that's one of the best ways to repair. What about that in your experience? Well, oh, Rich, what do you, what's the best way to repair after a marathon? Yeah, I mean, I, I have gone plenty of, you know, they always talk about um, nutrient timing and how you want to get in carbohydrates and protein four to one ratio within an hour after working out. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Sometimes you don't have an appetite for that. With that being said, there 
are more times than not that I go well beyond that hour after working out where I am continuing to fast. You don't have to work out fasted. I see. I have to almost work out fast. I mean, I work out after meals sometimes as I end up eating, but I hate, that's why I like to exercise in the morning, even walk. I don't like to exercise with stunt with food in my stomach. I think I perform bad. I think it makes me kind of burp and belch. I feel like in performance, you almost have to perform fasted. So what, unless I guess you're doing a marathon, you're doing something there, you might want to eat something because you're going to really do strenuous. But I'm talking about your everyday exercise. I think you don't want to eat before that personally. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't eat before, before training or I mean, probably 99% of my athletic career has been performance on fasted in fasted states. Um, and then even beyond on the back end, I'll go afterwards. I'll, I'll go without eating for an hour or two if I have to. And then what do you guys think Are you guys? Uh, uh, I'm sure you guys are carnivores. I can just tell you guys look like me. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I see that. That What is that, an elk? I don't know. What, why do I not? Is that a ram behind you? What, what yeah, is it's a, it's a it's my business. It's uh, Black Sheep Endurance. Oh, yes. Black Sheep Endurance. I have the website. I need to pull it up. But uh, 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 I'm just saying, you know, it looks what's what's the symbolism behind the sheep and what i don't eat meat what's your guys policy on meat and fish i think it's if you're if you're having results with your with your not really my your... results are less good <laughs> with it. honestly i've gained more weight because i'm eating all these carbs i think if i was if i was wrecking if i was a doctor recommending a diet i think you have to have a little meat and fish or at least a little fish because the b12 the vitamins in it like like i feel guilty i don't even like to take my fish oil castles because i and that weird i'm all woo woo i'm so weird uh but i still sometimes take the fish oil capsules because i feel like i need those omega-3s uh but i think less meat we're i think we overeat meat uh, we overeat everything but I, I i do think we overeat meat we gotta we should eat a little less we shouldn't, everything shouldn't be a freaking chicken fried steak. No, I mean, I, I have gone back and forth where at times in my life, I've been definitely been much more carnivorous than I am now, but typically I'll have two to two to five meals a week that include animal protein. Uh, but especially now in the summertime or going into the fall with the farmer's markets being so readily available, this this summer has been mostly fruits and vegetables with a little bit of uh, salmon incorporated in or, or some some grass fed beef once or twice a week. OK, so it, it's funny how, you know, we have these diets. What do you think about fasting and uh, using hallucinogenics for fasting? Because I think that's that's, you know, you said you took ayahuasca. That kind of makes you puke. There's something about. Uh, I know LSD, my few experiences with that, you're not hungry at all. So what about that? Like almost using hallucinogenics as a diet or a fitness Kickstarter. Have you ever recommended that? Yeah, I, I I try not to push those sorts of things on people. You know, if like people come to me with questions about how to go about it, I'm always helpful or willing to help. Uh, but I, I feel especially with things like mushrooms, you know, I feel like you have to have a, a strict diet like you do heading into an ayahuasca session if you're going to ingest some sort of psilocybin because I've had 11 ayahuasca ceremonies and I've never vomited once, but almost every time I take psilocybin, I end up throwing up and it's because it's 
not as much, there's never been as much intention or work put into a diet leading into a, into a mushroom experience as there has been for ayahuasca ceremonies. Even on a microdose of mushrooms, you'll puke, or is that usually taking uh, one of those? No, I mean it's it's probably a little bit more than 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 a microdose. But even with a, a microdose, if I don't take a digestive enzyme with it, I'll get a little nauseous. Yeah, I mean, my experience has always been it gets I get really nauseous with it. Uh, but recently, I guess the the most recent hallucinogenic experience I had, I tried DMT for the first time. And I'll tell you what, it was awesome. And, and and I'm not recommending this to anybody because going into it, you know, we had the shaman, we were praying, it was very ritualistic. And I'll be honest, I was scared to death. I would, I would have thought I was doing the heroin. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't dirty like that, but I would have thought I was, they had a needle. I mean, there was no needle, none of that, but you would have thought I was in like an opium den about to do like the strongest drug in the world, the way people were praying, the way people were acting. And then I did it and it was so relaxing. And for me, the the experience, it, they call it blasting off. And I, you know, I hit it, I inhaled it. And, 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 you know, literally my eyes were open, but I wasn't seeing what was in front of me. I was seeing the most crystal clear 5k 8k way more than 4k i mean it was just blue and pink and so clear i just can remember it uh so vividly and that was an awesome experience uh uh for the dmt and i didn't have any stomach aches or anything but that's a very short experience so what do you compare the short experience uh you know kind of dmt hallucinogenics compared to like the long form with lsd and, and psilocybin Uh, well, see, I've never had one of those short term. I've, I've, you're talking about people praying and being, being kind of. You guys have never done DMT. Wow. I'm just in ayahuasca. I mean, that, yeah, but, that, but that's a long, that's a long form yeah. of it, right? Yeah. 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 And so, that's, it's part of the thing where you said that people were, were kind of praying or you felt scared like you were doing like the most intense thing ever. I've always had that sort of feeling or connection to ayahuasca and DMT. I am very like, I guess terrified of it. So um, I I I have some, and I've had it for over a year, and I've just been that afraid to to utilize it or use it. So why is that? Um, though why is I mean I was scared. I mean I mean I'm still kind of I'm not scared. It's just weird. It's this weird feeling. This like nervous uh, energy. And what is that? Is that low vibrational? Is that high vibrational? And what is hallucinogenics on the vibrational scale? And uh, it kind of explain. I know that's a deep question, but explain, you know, kind of what hallucinogenics do to our bodies and the vibrational energy they give off. Well, I would say before you go, Jim, I would say I used to think um, that they were very high, high vibrational. Uh, and then now just with the research that I've done and the connections to things like John Hopkins. Johns Hopkins, you know, the, the, the alphabet agencies, uh, MK Ultra, you know, Operation Mockingbird, those sorts of things, those earlier ties. Now I'm a little bit more leery in terms of, of what the vibration is or wh what it does, because I've also found too that um, a lot of the people that are in the community, a lot of their opinions don't necessarily vibe with, with how I feel uh, about what's going on in, in the world that we live in today. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, for lack of a better terms are very woke, um, where I always thought that the psychedelic community was awake. 
Um, and so it's, it's now I'm kind of on the fence of, of what it really is or what it stands for. No, dude, I, I'd seen that kind of what I thought was a counterculture. There's drug culture type guys. Like I see outside, I go to this pad Thai place next to like a head shop and those guys are always out there with their mask and smoking their cigarette. I mean, they just look paranoid COVID guys. They don't look like they're awake to anything. Matter of fact, they look more asleep than the, the Tanisha that works at the uh, pad Thai place. You know what I mean? They, I mean, they just look as dead. I don't know. Like you're right. I think all drugs are low vibrational. If we abuse them, if we overuse them in a, in the, in the small like we shouldn't be using these so infrequently that it is a special thing and i think that and the way we use it can be high vibrational so were you going to say something jim about that that cut you off i was just gonna say with the uh with the psychedelics especially you know lsd or mushrooms your your neuroplasticity right your your brain you're real malleable and and the energy and the things you take in you're gonna kind of draw to like a magnet and that you always hear about in the psychedelic realm set and set in. And I'm a firm believer in that. Cause if you're, if you're not in the right place and you're around the wrong people, it could be a really bad trip and on the back end could do more damage than actually good. And that's something I had become aware of just microdosing a little bit too much and then kind of realizing, all right, I need to be in the right settings. I need to be in the right places and kind of go what Rich was saying about high vibration, low vibration. I think the thing that has been very discouraging in the since 2020, since March of 2020, is all the hippies from from the 60s and 70s, all all the freedom fighters. They're all for what's going on in the world today. And to me, that's the biggest head scratcher because here here's a group of people who were fighting against the Vietnam War and, and fighting against MK Ultra and all that stuff. But I think in turn. They wound up being, as Rich says, one of the first generations to to be completed with MK Ultra and to be controlled. And you know, you see all these deadheads, all, all these uh, fish heads. They're they're all for you know, g- give it to me and line they're, me they're up. They're the first ones yours. getting. They're so pro vaccine. All these people. They're the ones I thought they would be. The real counterculture are the truthers that are you know speaking out against what's happening. And that's sad because it's like these like facebook moms and these like facebook groups is the counterculture and and instead it's a, the guys like like these cool comedians or not that cool comedians but you know like people that are celebrities that i even thought were kind of cool maybe had an inkling of cool i'm like oh my god they're all fucking losers they're all douches that their managers and agents tell them what to do and they're all pushing this shit on us and the fact that Nicki minaj is a national hero is mockery i love it i mean i love the fact that i mean you know somebody's waking up but isn't that sad so every single other celebrity is a douchebag shill asshole liar i mean i think so <laughs> if, if Nicki minaj is the first one and gets the most you know uh uh publicity for it i'm sure there's other people that are more quiet that have similar viewpoints but this is the upside down world we live in like where we you know put all these these people like the emmys last night it makes me sick these self-congratulatory people and the that's the problem that's another thing with our society is that we put our ego and our self-worth like in these fake celebrities and that's that's one of the issues with society. I think that really poisons our minds, our mental health. Living in that world for for even for a brief minute is that what turns you into primetime ninety nine, or was that something that was in the works as you were in that world? Dude, I became primetime ninety nine. Alex and I was born in a bail bond office, and parents that were just well, just 
fighting and, and good parents. I love both of my moms. You know, they, they split up. But I'm just saying, I, I grew up with, with like raised by people that were freshly out of jail that needed jobs. So a lot of day labor type people. So my dad was busy. So I remember one of the first memories I had is uh, my dad had this woman that answered the calls and he would drop me off at her office. Uh, you know, he was at his office a lot. I would sit at this bail bond office and, and he had an office at her house, basically just phones, you know, and that's what an office was in the early 80s and 90s, or late 80s, early 90s. And uh, sometimes I would go to her office or where she had an office where she had a phone line and she would smoke cigarettes all day. And so one of my earliest memories, I went there and I, as a kid, I ate, I put all the cigarettes in my mouth from the ashtray. And she was like in a different room. By the time she walked in, I was like coughing and sick. And I was like a young baby. And, and you know, and I'm putting all these ash and cigarettes. She freaks out, takes me straight to the hospital. They have to pump my stomach. You know, it's a big deal. This is like one of my first memories. And my memories, I don't, I kind of faintly remember that. But then as soon as I get out of the hospital, I'm with Red. I'm with a girl. My dad and mom, you know, they like are just showing up. And I go to pet a dog after this traumatic thing. And I got bit by a dog and had to go straight back into the hospital uh, for a dog bite. So I'm just saying, this is the type of people that raised me. I was getting bit by dogs and eating cigarettes. So I kind of have to be primetime. I'm an only child. I have to, I have this attention deficit disorder where it's not that I can't pay attention, which I can't. It's that I need constant attention because I didn't get enough from my parents. I say this all the time. This is the last little bit. My parents got divorced. We had this dog, Primo. They loved the dog. So in the divorce settlement, they agreed that whenever I would go to each, you know, the house on the weekends during the joint custody, I would take the dog with me. Well, so that means I was literally raised by Primo, my dog, more than I was by my both parents together. So that's why I'm an animal. That's why I'm an animalistic. I don't have good manners. I will bite you. I will also be sweet to you if I like you. I just, I have a very re reactionary uh, tendencies and it's not a good thing. I wish I, I wish I had a little more nurture and a little less nature. So, so the prime time, that's a defense mechanism, but it really is me. I really do like to turn it on. I like to be the center of, of attention, but at the same time, I think Rich, you can notice, I don't always want to be the center of the attention. Sometimes I want to, you know, shine the light on you guys or shine the light on other people. I don't always, I don't always need it on me. I mean, that's, I, you you go to the buffet, you eat till you're full. I, sometimes I get full on attention. I, I've had enough. I try to put the attention. I try to step up off the attention buffet because that's what the one poison of society, all the famous people. One day, I, I think I will be well known and I'm going to regret it. I can already tell. I'm going to be the person if I get, I can already tell. I'm going to be the person that hates. Oh, I hate that you like me because I'm already mad when you said the nice thing to me, Rich. And I'm already talking about stories with uh, with uh, Rob McElhaney, the guy that created uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, being like irked out when I told him how much I liked him. So I'm already creating that. So maybe you read me like a book, Rich. Why am I? What is this? A therapy session? What's going on right now? You're in, you're on the couch with the Airy Bros. <laughs> I know the so, Airy the Airy Bell. Go ahead, Rich. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, did uh, being raised by Primo is that what turned you into a cat person, or was there's there's no. something else that came along with this? <laughs> this the cat <laughs> thing is no. That's it. What well, I got toxoplasmosis. So toxoplasmosis is a parasite in the in the cat's fecal matter, and uh, what it does is it actually turns you into they call it crazy cat lady syndrome, and so it goes into your brain and it actually turns you into a cat. So like here, I'm gonna cows be so mad he's dead asleep. Let's see, like oh come on, cow, let go, let go. So so I woke Kyle up. And it literally, like, I can just, I just want to smell the cat. I want to be the cat. Like, I hold him so close. I wish I could, look, he's mad. But the toxoplasmosis, I'm just so attracted. There's nothing more in the world than I, I even a beautiful woman. I don't know if I'd rather have, I'd almost rather, well, I'd rather have a beautiful woman. But this is a close second. I'll put it that way. And that's the toxoplasmosis. 
in my mind, and I got Sky Bear. Long story short, I got Sky Bear. He ended up being the best freaking cat ever. When I brought him home, the the first night he kind of slept, you know, like on the edge of the bed. By the first week of having him, Sky Bear was sleeping. We were spooning like two lovers on a romantic getaway and the Caribbean island together. It was the most beautiful romantic love a man and a cat could share. Um, and I know that sounds a little weird because <laughs> it is weird, but I'm telling you, pets, this is this sounds crazy. I'm such an animal lover. Everybody needs to have a pet. I am a pet nut. I'm being a little over dramatic. Skyper's not that great. He actually meows and sometimes he'll pee outside the litter box to, you know, if I'm getting him mad. But I'm just saying we all need a connection. So are you guys pet people? Do you guys have pets? Yeah, we're dog guys. We're dog guys. Rich, Rich is a little bit more of a dog guy than me. Uh, my uh, my butt butt, our Brittany, in 2012, he got hit by a uh, a car, and I really haven't been the same and been able to really open up to a animal since then. But I, I am definitely a dog person. Wow. Yeah, dogs. My dad has uh, three dogs that I have to go jack with all the time. So I love dogs too. Uh, so Rich, what kind of dogs do you have? I don't. I personally don't have any. Uh, I was for a while. I was running dogs. I was doing the dog service where I would run dogs here in Denver. So I would go pick them up and go run two to four miles with them. A couple, a couple different clients throughout the day. Um, so that was that was super fun. You know, we've always been Brittany. Our families always had Britneys, um, but I also would get down uh, if I could have a dog. I'd probably either get a V-Slu or a or a Blue Healer. Forget dogs. Everybody go donate. Uh, go adopt a cat. Actually, I love dogs too. Equally, you should get a cat. But we, I didn't realize you guys are in Denver. No, nah, I'm just just taking a shower. I was just some guy posted something about Denver is uh, you know Union Station. I was not. I was in Denver not that long ago. The most pretentious place on earth so where are you guys in like uh, uh, downtown denver what area of denver are you there and this is the problem with denver i'm gonna just say it straight up and down i've said this on the show before i went to a buddy his brother has a hemp farm in salida so we you know we spent like a few days in salida and then we just spent the last night in denver and just kind of went around denver you know and hung out in Denver. I didn't see one black dude the whole day i mean i may, i think maybe i saw one black dude i think at a hotel valet or something I get to the airport and I'm at the sunglass hut and I see the black dude and we have time to kill. I'm like, dude, this is, you know, I've been to Denver before. I guess I didn't notice, but this whole time when I was in, in Salida, I didn't see any. And in Denver, I go, dude, I didn't see one black dude. Where's like the black neighborhood? Like, where's the hood of Denver? Like, you know, in Dallas, we have Oak Cliff, you know, we have South Dallas. Like, where's like the South Dallas? And, uh, and I was like, Atlanta has College Park, you know, where's the hood? Oh, there's no hood. No, Denver is no hood. And he was laughing about it too. There's no black people in Denver. And that's why Denver, it needs black people. That's the problem. Everybody, and it needs Mexicans too. There's no Mexicans. There's not, there's a little, there's more Mexicans than black people probably. But there's no, there's no, everywhere you go to the restaurant, at least here, you have like Ivan. He's going to be a great service. He's going to be nice. He's working his ass off. He's a Guatemalan immigrant. When you're in Denver, you're going to get guy a guy named Gary with a liberal arts degree that is pissed off that he's working at this diner. And, and I can prove it because there's a diner in Denver that has, what is it? It's a famous diner, Norm's Diner. Is that what it's called in Denver? Diner in Denver. Okay, diner in, hold on, in Denver oh, that, that charges uh, uh, money 
for asking a stupid question. Hold on, for asking a dumb question. Look at this. This is ridiculous. Let me show you all this. If we do any share. Restaurant charge extra money. This is this is so Denver. I've never even seen any Tom's Diner. Look at this. This is the most this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything more Denver, Colorado than this. Okay. And his name would be Tom, okay? This restaurant charged a customer extra for asking a stupid question. Tom's Diner, a local favorite that's getting national attention for a hilarious reason. They charged 38 cents for a for a stupid question on the receipt. At Tom's Diner in Denver, humor is one of the most popular items on the menu. The 24-hour restaurant has been a local favorite for 20 years. Uh, but until recently, few people outside the Mile High City knew about the chain side-splitting side offering. About a week ago, a Reddit user posted a photo of Tom's Diner receipt. Listed along an order of chicken tenders and mashed potatoes was a separate charge of 38 cents for one stupid question okay let me get at let me let me let me put myself away so you can see it so what is this what how pretentious is this i know it's 38 cents obviously you know 38 cents is not a lot of money to anybody in this day and age uh but dude that is denver in a nutshell in my opinion that they would even try to pull like if you try to pull that into oh my gosh my streaming software is kind of freezing up if you try to do that come on transition it won't change you guys, come on. Oh man, it's stuck on the it's stuck on the zoom screen. Now, this is the second time. You. Yeah, I know you guys are here. No, we're still live. It just won't it won't change scenes. It did this yesterday. I don't know why it's it's just stuck my um and now it can't see me. Nobody can see anything. They can hear us. Hold on, let's give it a second. We'll see if it, it fixes itself. Wow, what a okay, okay, hold on. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Oh, Joe Mama, $33, primetime 99. Everyone knows the hood in Denver is in the underground cities. Oh, yes. Okay, so Denver's airport. So what do you guys think about that? That's where, there's a reason why it's all white people elitist in Denver. So what do you guys think about that airport in Blucifer? There's some interesting things going on there for sure. When you, when you look into the murals and then the, the blue stallion in the, in the as you're pulling in and some of the connections there. We also had a guest on uh, Michelle Gibson, who has done a lot of research in terms of like mud flood Tataria type stuff. And she's plotted a lot of ley lines of cities in North America. And they've created a, a star tetrahedon, which is like a star of David. And one of the ley lines runs right through where the Denver airport is. Is it on the 33rd degree parallel? Like, I know Dallas is. I don't know if Denver. I know Phoenix is. So I guess Denver wouldn't be on that. But I know Denver does have some sort of... Uh, uh, is there something about its high elevation as well that that's important? I know that has some sort of strategic element. But what what do you guys think about when you walk in that airport? You guys have obviously... That's where you fly in and out of that airport. They're leaning into it. That's another thing. There's another thing where Denver's an asshole, dude. Not only do they have an occultic airport that has all the rumors, they mock you. They have a gargoyle out there like, oh, yeah, we got stuff going on under construction. That's that's why Denver, That's and I love it. It's a great place. Legalize it. I'm not even saying don't move, don't go to Denver. I, matter of fact, if you're a white male, it's probably a great place to live, probably a safe place to live. I don't know, man. You got to have scion hair and clear frames. And not get judged in this city. Is it you have to fit in? It is it is it like uh, just such a uh, and I'm, I'm not even super liberal, but what is it just so liberal? I mean, is it, how do you describe the culture of Denver right now? Like it's not the counterculture; it's just the liberal left or what? Cucked. Cucked. <laughs> totally cucked. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and there's a lot of 
I got to choose my words. Correct. There's a lot of women that want to yeah. look like Logic the rapper, and that and that like other women. There's a lot of lesbians. Most, I think you can say lesbians. We're pro lesbians. Right, lesbians. So, yeah, so, there's a lot of lesbians in this city, and I haven't experienced it anywhere else. Even though I've only really lived in Oceanside, California, Leadville, Colorado, and Point Pleasant, New Jersey, I've never experienced it. Like, well, Point like Pleasant, New Jersey, the shore. New Jersey is one of the best places to live in the world. Is that where you guys are from? Point Pleasant. It's where we grew up. Yes, yeah. Sir. So why did y'all move from Point Pleasant? Because just because it's a small town, it's a beach town. I mean, I I feel like you'd almost want to live there your whole life. I'm impressed that you know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, mean it, well, I mean, how far is? It? I've been to Atlantic City, so you had to go through yeah. Point Pleasant. So don't you have to drive through Point Pleasant to get there at some point? Yeah, you probably drive at least on the Parkway from from Newark. You probably drive past our exit to go to Atlantic City yeah. for sure. Um, but I mean, that's, but see living there, I mean, that seems nice. What was school? I bet, did you guys go to public school or private school out there? We, we went to public school. But that's probably a nice public school. I mean, you had to say, I bet everybody at the shore, if you have a shore, I mean, if you live near the shore, it's also kind of like Denver's makeup. It's how, you know what I mean? It's similar, uh, uh ethnic background. That had to be really <laughs> cool growing up on, on, uh, the East. People don't realize how cool the East coast is and the Atlantic ocean. I don't think people realize that. I don't think the East Coast gets enough dabs and gr growing up there, it was always, we got to get the hell out of here and go to California. And then, then once you go to California, you realize, oh, then, you know, the beaches in Jersey aren't that bad. It's not as populated as the West Coast. But I think when you grow up somewhere your whole life, there's that small town mentality. And for me, at least, I just wanted to get out and go explore the world and, and meet new people. It's kind of the the same kind of clicks and everything. And I, I wanted to get outside of that, but going and traveling around and being, being, uh, where we are now, it, it's not that bad of a place to grow up and be raised. What do you think, Rich? Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always on that hero's journey life. So uh, I've got one foot, one foot uh, in Denver and the other foot on a banana peel on an airplane, going back to Newark airport to get back to New Jersey. So <laughs> there, that sounds nice. I'm not just saying that I want to hear more. I'm not trying to cut you off, but doesn't it sound nice to be on the shore, especially in the winter. I I, I went to this Jersey shore in, in the winter time. Dude, it was nice. It's beautiful. It's deader than a doorknob, but that's kind of nice. I like that when it's dead. So you guys probably growing up there, the winters are probably cool. You didn't have any traffic. Y'all didn't have, uh, I mean, what was it like then? Well, so to your point, I think that's the best time to go to the beach. Obviously you're not going in the water, but it's empty. No one's up there. You can go and enjoy it. But the weather in New Jersey is horrible. And I kind of got hip to chemtrails when I was still living in New Jersey. It's like you got chemtrails in the sky and then the next day it's snow or the next day it's raining. And before I left, I had always said like New Jersey has like three good weeks of weather all year. And, and I'm kind of, that's kind of where I was at and my mindset to things. It's just the weather was horrible. Yeah, you got to get out of there because I guess you can't take advantage of it. But I mean, they're definitely manipulating the weather. There's no doubt about it right now. Uh, and so I still don't think though they can manipulate it. I, I, in my mind, how, however the system was designed, I think there has to be some sort of of like filter overflow protection because why isn't Miami already underwater? Why isn't Point Pleasant, New Jersey, all the way underwater? They said this when I remember eight years ago in 2012. They told me by 2020, you know, this would Miami would be six feet up, and all the hotels would be, you know, the shore would be ruined. So I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I think they're focused on blocking out the sun more than anything. 
Yeah, he wants to put the uh, the Bill Gates wants to put aluminum or something in the sky to block out the. I mean, dude, if anybody okay's that, it just shows you we are all insane. I mean, we we almost deserve what's happening to us because, like, anybody that's like, oh, we should spray stuff in the sky to stop the sun. Anybody that, that okay's that deserves to be deserves whatever is going to get sprayed out to be sprayed right in their face. That's what they deserve. That's what they need. They need it sprayed right in their face. That might wake them up a little bit. Uh, because like some of the ideas that people come up with, it's the American way to overcomplicate everything. We always have to we have to make everything way more overcomplicated than it is, and that's especially with all these COVID restrictions. Like today, they asked, "Hey, where did uh, the recommendation of the six feet rule?" They didn't even know that. I mean, we're just making this we're making this so much harder, and we're sacrificing people because of it, because of all the unnecessary stuff we're making people do. And it just shows you the system that we live in, and the government that's controlling us is not a functionable body and, and it's just going to lead us into natural disaster. So do you guys think that, are you guys black pill? What do you guys think is going to happen on like, you know, with everything in the next, uh, let's say like a year or two, do you guys think it's going to get obviously crazier and are you guys uh, survivalists? So Rich is definitely a survivalist. He's definitely going to live in a bunker, but I wouldn't say we're black pilled. I say the area bros like to keep that PMA and try to look for the positive in, even the worst situation. So I'm not trying to really focus on the bad shit. It's always what can we do to make it better for ourselves and everyone else involved and not really focusing on the problems. But as my brother Rich says, focusing on the solutions, I I think that's kind of where we're at. And just to, you know, I think the only thing we can do right now as individuals is take care of our bodies, take care of our, our mental sanity. That's our, Sure, that's what we have to do as as men in this country is to take care of our, our health and to take care of our, our mental. So when stuff does go down, we're able to to handle some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to think like in a stressful situation, where am I going to run away to? I don't really have anywhere to run to. I mean, I have family here. I have responsibilities. So I think it's just the way we handle it, how we handle the stress, because we know that there's going to be more stressful times. So that's why like exercise, try to take care of yourself. This is the one, this is the one message I want to say for all the people out there. And sometimes I have this problem too. I think, oh, I'm competing with other people, but really and truly the only person we are competing with is ourselves. You know, that's the only person, that person in the mirror. We don't like to think that we like to say, oh, I'm competing with this guy. He's driving this car. I need to drive this car. This guy has this job making this, you know, da da da. I need to do that. No, you need to just stop even worrying about that. You need to just worry about yourself because there's so many times the person that lets you down the most is yourself. And I find myself doing that and thinking like, and that, you know, and that's especially a little bit lately because I just got out of a relationship. Not even that, it was not even that bad of a breakup, but I'm just saying like, I'm just kind of like, oh, well, I, I saw red flags and I ignored them. I just, I, you know, I was kind of my own worst enemy in the own, in the relationship by not noticing stuff. And then I realized it's kind of like, I don't want to be alone. We all crave attention. We need to be in a relationship, but I, what I need to worry about is me, myself and, and not being, not self-sabotaging because she had self-sabotaging issues. And that's the problem is, is in the society, we have a lot of self-sabotaging problems. So when the shit hits the fan, I can imagine people are just going to totally crap the bad and be able to manage that stress is going to be so important, but easier said than done. So how has it been getting back in and navigating the, the, the dating waters. How how is that? It been, sucks, been, been Rich. Been I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> even, I, I, 
I hadn't even dated her that long. Uh, let's hear about y'all's love life too. But her and I were only dating. It's kind of a hot girl summer fling, you know. But but <laughs> we liked each other. You know, we shot some content. She was cool. A lot of girls don't want to do that. And you know, we had a lot. You know, we had some chemistry. Like some OnlyFans content? Like no, content? like so we made a Michelle. Like you know, she on my on my channel. We like did a mukbang. That sounds like sexual too. We ate. But you, you know what I mean? She was in my Instagram. We asked people stuff on the streets. Like she was nice. You know, she wanted to you know help the conspiracy castle. A lot of girls don't want to be involved. So. I like that about her, but she was prescribed Xanax and, uh, and she was not prescribed that much. And then she would go buy it on the side and she was just taking, you know, you, you think you'd, you'd realize like, God, it's so hot today in Texas, 99 degrees. And I'm in the sunroom and I got this fan. I just can't believe how hot it is today. I thought it was going to get cooler. What I'm saying is she was taking Xanax and then taking more. And then just got this one. I'm like, you're messed up on Xanax. Like you're, you know, this isn't going to work. We, we broke up. And it was about like the third time where she was like noticeably messed up. I was like, no, you have a, you have a pill problem and I can't enable a pill problem because this is why I, one of my best friends, a guy named Clark Gable, he died. He thought he took Vicodin and, you know, took fentanyl and died. I don't want to be with somebody that's buying pills from somebody off the street. Not that I'm better than that. I've been there. I, I mean, I get that, but you know, she's 31. We have to, that's, that's the problem this day and age with the Chinese fentanyl that's going and running rampant. All these people are, are making fake drugs with it. Like they're made, they're putting in the cocaine, they're putting in the fake Xanax, they're putting it in the fake Vicodin. So you cannot, I, I don't say take any pills, but if you're going to take a pill, get it from a pharmacist. If you're out there taking any pill and it's stamped, you don't know what you're getting. So you're playing with fire and a guy that was the most experienced drug user, whatever you want to say, a guy that I was like, whoa, I mean, he can do drugs. Like, you know, intimidatingly can use a lot of drugs. Went out with no bang, boom, very unceremoniously. And that's how everybody probably goes out with drugs. And it was a big eye-opening thing. And I think that's what's happening. They're purposely killing people. And as a matter of fact, Nancy Pelosi today, they're having a meeting about all the drug overdoses. They've had a record amount of drug overdoses just up until 2021. Uh, up into February, up into this year's February, it was like 221 of 21, the most amount of drug overdoses in one year's uh, in the history of, of recorded uh, suicides. And I mean, drug overdose deaths, excuse me, not suicides. What were they calling in her for her expertise on? Probably how to get her more drugs. No, but they, <laughs> it was like her, they had a, a, a emergency counts, uh, emergency meeting about it because the FDA, they had the most, the most amount of drug overdoses ever. I said suicides, but, and they're actually saying, this is the stats. I can never, try, I don't ever to believe them. They actually say suicides are down. I don't know. I can, I, I can almost believe that because what about y'all? For me, I've improved my life during uh, the, you know, COVID. What about you guys? And I think a lot of people out there, even though their lives, they might've lost their jobs. People were stressed out. I think actually, I know this may be going on a limb. The majority of people's lives have been actually improved probably since all this started. I mean, is that is that too much of a stretch to say that a lot of people's lives have actually gotten better because they've gotten close to their family? Maybe they don't have to go to work. Maybe they've realized what's important to them. It's, it's opened a lot of eyes to what's going on. So I almost think this is a, a net gain for society than uh, a net negative. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was going down a, a little bit of a black pill rabbit hole for, for a minute that I had to claw myself out of where it was kind of a lot, a lot of doom and gloom. Um, but like we say with our podcast, with our, our podcast we do with our cousins, we're always trying to focus on the positive. And so, you know, one of the positives that come, came out of this is it allowed us to talk to a whole heck of a lot more people, have amazing conversations 
and then also just with starting that other podcast, it's been going on for over 75 episodes now. So it's allowed us to open up the the communications and, and get back in touch with our, our cousins that are our same age and ha- have, you know, kind of rekindle that, that childhood friendship, but now as adults. Yeah. And, and then, you know, to Rich's point, I, th- I feel like there's been some peaks and valleys. I feel like there's been more positive than negative. I feel like the isolation has probably been the negative at times. And then I'm a college student and then going back to school and to kind of get back in the normal swing of things is there's been more, more anxiety. I feel like everyone's just got a lot of anxiety. Haven't been around people in a long time now, you know, you're, you're in communication with people, but they have masks on and, and you really can't read people. So there's been issues like that, but for the most part, I mean, I got back to, to my health and got back to, to my fitness and monitoring what I eat and stuff like that. So for me, it, it's been, it's been positive. I feel like prior to, March of 2020, I was kind of on a hamster wheel and I feel like the whole COVID thing kind of made me really reevaluate what I was doing with my life and how I was acting and kind of made me more accountable for things. So I would say in all in all, there's probably been way more good than negative. That's awesome, Jimmy, the fact that it's benefited for you. But I'm saying this sucks. The school thing, though. Oh, my God. I didn't realize, dude. So tell me about school. That has to be, has to be the worst time to go to school. I feel so bad for all students. And, and, and uh, you're in college, so I'm sure your professors. These professors want to act like they are, in the, they are frontline healthcare workers or something. Oh, so, so tell me about your experience right now in college. So I, I am 34 years old. This is my second time around at college. And I was in my freshman year when, when all this went down in film school. So everything gets shut down and then you're on Zoom. But, you know, I'm a film student, so we're trying to make movies. So it's hard to do that on Zoom. So we kind of had to makeshift that, make that happen. And then last year we were back in person, but still on Zoom and everything was kind of hybrid. But, you know, no one really knows the rules. No one knows the mask rules on campus. Some people are telling me I can wear a mask with holes. Some people are telling me I, I can't. No one really knows how to enforce it. And then at this point, you have to have a mask on when you're in buildings, but you can go anywhere else in the city of Denver and you don't need a mask on. So there's this huge disconnect where I go to school, I have to wear my mask, and then I'm going into a store and I have my, my uh, neck gaiter on and I pull it up because it's just what I'm thinking. Wait, wait, wait. Jimmy, y'all don't have to have a mask in Denver. I thought Denver for sure. So there's no mask mandate in in Denver. No one follows it. I mean, a lot of stores and the laundromat and stuff, they have signs up, but I don't roll with a mask anywhere. But school, you have to. I mean, what do you have? I mean, if they're going to throw you out of school, that's another thing is, is this is the problem. What I'm reading about the schools is now they're doing like these mass testing the students. And I don't know. I don't. Okay. So tell me about your testing, but like, it's almost like just another way for these to, to find students, to kick them out of school. It's just very punitive. So tell me about what's the testing process. Well, so I have to go get tested once a week and I take the saliva test. I don't take the nose nose test. And there was an issue with that the first time I went because I had read up on everything because I was ready to go to battle just because I know my rights and you're not going to force anything on me. And they were trying to force the the, the, no. the swab on me, but I, I was not having it. So now I go and I do saliva test. There's no issue there, but... Colorado made a mandate where if you are exempt from vaccines, you have to watch this module or this course 
and kind of sign off your rights knowing that you know all the harms and all the risk and that you let all those rights go and not get a vaccine. So I've watched this module like four times, but every time it goes to go finish, it won't finish. It, it sends me back to the homepage. And so now I have to go out of my way and I have to make sure I go to the office and make sure I have this figured out by the 23rd or they're going to put holds on my account. And what's going on with a lot of these kids is they're not going to get tested. They're not hearing, hearing about these modules and they're going to have holds on all their accounts and they're not going to be able to go get classes next semester. And, and they say that I think it was like 87% of the, of the campus is vaccinated, which makes no sense to me because when I go to get these tests and these tests are for people who aren't vaccinated, it's packed. There's a, a lot of people. So it makes no sense. The numbers saying, don't make sense. The numbers no. don't make sense. It's because I know the reason why I think the numbers don't make sense is I think they just based it on how many like vaccine vials get used. And I think a lot of them get thrown away. I don't know. I don't know that to be, but I just, how are everything's, they said California is 90%. I mean, and they have to have a hundred percent because then they don't have a control group. So if anything that happens, you can just, it, it, there's no control group. I don't know how much we can say on here, but we just want to say we love the CDC and we are pro vaccine. Everybody go get your shot. Johnson and Johnson is, I recommend. Too. Yeah. I, re I recommend go get Alex Stein's Johnson and Johnson. Ask him, say, I want Alex Stein's Johnson and Johnson. Then they'll, they'll know at the vaccine place. They'll know what to give you. Uh, but no, the testing, this is the problem in college. I was an idiot. You know, you just miss one of those, you miss all these tests and then you can't like, you go to the testing center and you can't take your test and then, oh, you did you miss a test on the deadline your teacher gives you a zero and you can literally fail out i mean it can affect your actual classes uh like rescheduling classes or, or scheduling your your future classes all because of a test for uh corona i mean it's just it's absurd it, the the like i said it's a it's a clusterfuck the system we have in place is not it's not beneficial and it's very punitive uh so like have you had anybody like been punished or whatever for missing tests that you know of anything jimmy or have you been good have you been a good student a good pupil and following your testing regimen um i've been trying to follow i've missed the week because i got it at the end of one week so i just let it go roll over into the next week but i as and it wasn't as a big like, deal it wasn't a big deal they didn't send you 10 emails or they did I definitely got a couple emails, yeah. uh, but as far as like people get in trouble or people being vocal, I'm the most vocal person I know when it comes to this stuff. A lot of the kids, cause they're younger, right? They're, they're 18, 19, yeah. 20. They're scared to death, man. They're scared to death. They don't want to raise any issues. They don't want people knowing. And the one thing I do notice about the younger generation is they are very don't ask, don't tell. They don't want to know you got your vaccine. They don't care. No one talks about that. So I, I respect that for, for sure. Cause they're keep, keep to yourself. Don't ask me. I won't tell you or whatever like that. But I, the thing that is the most kind of heartbreaking is I thought college kids were supposed to be free thinkers and we're supposed to be the ones to fight against this stuff. And that is not the case at all. No, dude, it's the most indoctrination. I mean, it's the indoctrination station. I mean, it's the place you go <laughs> and, and whatever your teacher tells you that your teacher is probably some sort of, uh, you know, critical race theory person, which is fine. I mean, which is whatever. Like I said, I, I actually believe in personal freedom. And I think, you know, teachers should have some sort of autonomy in a classroom to, I guess, kind of. Yeah, like that's one thing I'm against critical race theory, but I'm actually if it if a teach if it made a teacher more passionate about teaching something because they were teaching something they're passionate about, then I also kind of want to encourage that too. But what I'm saying is we have these colleges you go to and you literally get indoctrinated into the new world order into this like globalist society. It's like an Alex Jones cliche. I mean, you go there and they just basically you know 
tell you the world's going to end with climate change. That was the biggest thing. I went to LSU in Baton Rouge. And I, I mean, climate change, They multiple classes, my geology class, my, uh, I forget why I had to take so many earth sciences classes. You, I think in your general requirement, you have to take like four or five classes. And it didn't matter if the class was about geology. It didn't matter if it didn't matter if it was about like, uh, you know, I think one was about the weather, one class about the weather. But I mean, it was just literally how bad things are going to get at college, at this school. Uh, so it's a very doom and gloom. You, these kids, are, they, they don't sell this like, like the problem in my opinion is these young kids are like sold this this bill of goods or that they're not going to have a future. And so it's very bleak and they're very introverted and they're, you know, they're in the fake matrix of their like social media or their phone. So you notice that Jimmy with the young college kids that they're just kind of, they're like, you know, standoffish or they're not very uh, social. What, what do you notice about them? I feel like they, they fit into uh, stereotypes very well. They have a lot of autistic tendencies. Yeah, Absolutely. well, so do I. We all do. But, I mean, these kids are all autistic. And they're all on SSRIs. They're all on some sort of antidepressant. I mean, that's the problem. We've, like, we over-medicate, uh, I think, our young people. We always want to, you know, solve a problem with a pill. And it's not a, a pill is not going to solve any of our problems. I mean, very rarely does a pill solve any problems that I can think of other than, you know, everybody gets uh, addicted to Xanax. And there's a reason why this is. And we're going to I want you guys to talk about uh, tell us where we can find it. We got to wrap things up here in the next uh, you know five or 10 minutes. But like, you know, Xanax is a drug where you can be afraid to fly and then you take it and you're not afraid. So like I'm saying and, and then like you need a pain pill because if somebody actually has surgery, you know, there, there are applications four pills, I guess, but 99.9% .9 of the time taking a drug, uh, is not going to heal it. It's just going to cut off the check engine light of the problem. It's not going to actually, uh, fix the engine. So what's rich, Jimmy, tell us, you know, kind of let's wrap this up. Tell us where they can find you. And, uh, what did you kind of, you know, what did you guys want to uh, message you want to get out today before you guys go? So make sure you go check out Airy bros radio on Instagram check out the short doc called LSD long, slow distance based on Richard Airy and running the Boston marathon on an active dose of LSD and how micro dosing and dosing has changed his distance running. And we dive into all the, the shortcomings, all, all the good stuff, everything in between on that documentary. So check out LSD on YouTube, long, slow distance, Check out Black Sheep Endurance for all your running, coaching, ultra marathon, marathon coaching needs. Check us out over on Black Sheep Endurance. Richie Rich is the head coach over there. I'm his assistant. So if you want to get some coaching from the area, bros, check us out there. Check out Richie Rich at 100 Mile Dick on Instagram, at Richard Airy on Twitter. I am Prince James 1512 on Instagram. And Twitter, Richie Rich, did I miss anything? No, Jimmy, how did you do that so well? Okay, this is my question for Dick, though. Uh, and obviously, you know, I mean Rich. You know, Dick is another name for Richard. But so, uh, and, you know, Richard Levine, I'm transferring. We, we, you know, I'm transitioning to, like, Rachel Levine. So you're, you have Rachel's old name, Richard. Uh, so you're actually, you're like Dick. You're like my uh, hero. So it's similar that you have that name. <laughs> uh, but tell me this, though, real quick, Rich. When you did take the dose, did you do the blotter? Was it on a piece of paper? And about what was the dosage that you took? No, it was liquid, and it was. Uh, with, I a, had a, with a vial and a dropper. I had made I had made a, a vial, um, so each each dropper was ten micrograms, 
And before the start of the race, I had taken eight droppers. Eight droppers? And did you do it all before? Okay, so let me, real quick, kind of, I mean, let's give us a cliff notes because everybody needs to watch a documentary. We all need to watch a documentary, so I don't want you to ruin it. But, but like, what was the, you took it, like, right when the race started? Because it takes a little while for it to kick in. I mean, what was, like, the, the you know, timing and so that I, effect? Yeah, so I took the first 10 micrograms at 6 a.m., to get, get kind of in the mood, I guess. I can see why you do that, to kind of loosen up. You didn't go full bore. Okay, sorry. Sorry, yeah. okay, I'll keep going. No, you're good. And then so periodically um, throughout the trip, because it's you have to go to the starting line, so you have to take a shuttle bus to the starting line. So the first one I took just as I was getting on the bus. I took another one on the bus. I took my third one as I got off the bus. And then pretty much every half hour to an hour till the start, I took another drop. And then I believe I took my last 10 micrograms at the first porta potty that I came out of. And what, and wow, everybody, you have to use a porta potty. Everybody's pooping and peeing at the porta potties before a marathon. It's funny, you don't realize that. That was one of the things I didn't realize because you're kind of nervously excited. Everybody has to go. Wait, wait. So you took that dose and, uh, and what was your time? Did you, was your time that good or was it just kind of a normal time? Because I would have felt. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. It was a normal time. I, I wasn't going there with the intention of, of trying to yeah. run like a personal record. I was no going way. There yeah. With just the intention of to take in the experience and enjoy, enjoy the moment and, and being around that many people. And, and you know, the, the, the most memorable thing was one that the, the double yellow lines were kind of raised up off of the road because of the, the brightness of the color and the polarized sunglasses I had on. And then also just all the neon shoes and socks and armbands and sweatbands were kind of just like. It's fun. So you enjoyed it. You didn't have the one. You didn't want to have this anxiety of like, oh, I need to, you know, how do my personal best. And that's how we all should attack it. Like you said, it was just you, you know, it was just rich, you know, you're an endurance athlete. It's just you versus the world. And that's the problem with society right now is like we want to manifest other people's problems or, or put off, you know, put off our own problems and focus on other people's. And there's no better way to actually like challenge yourself than doing like a marathon. You don't have to do the, you know, full one, you can do something small, but, or even just going outside and walking more than you've ever walked. It's like one foot in front of the other. It sounds hard, but it's really, it's easier. It's easier than you think. And all it does is it takes a little bit of willpower and it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Rich, and that's the problem is we don't have a, a lot of a chutzpah, I guess. We don't have a lot of that drive to go out there and uh, exercise. But I'll tell you what, if I took eight hits of, of uh, 10 micrograms of LSD, I mean, I would have had a good time running the, the marathon myself. I don't think I would have finished it. I would not have. I would have dropped out in the first five minutes and I would have been eating uh, or having ice cream cones probably or something. I would not. <laughs> I would not have been able to stay running straight. The fact that you were upright and running the whole time and coherent rich you're a beast uh from the uh from point pleasant new jersey well jimmy rich the airy brothers everybody we have a link to the podcast i want you guys to all go there i want you guys to leave a five-star review i want you to say we loved your interview on the conspiracy castle so they know that we sent you there i want you guys to because that helps everybody that helps their algorithm uh you don't have to say the conspiracy castle thing i don't care about that guys but just leave the five-star review that will help the airy brothers because guys we all need a little bit of love, so spread that good vibrational energy. I know somebody's going to watch this, and they're going to hit the dislike button, and they're going to write, oh, Alex is stupid. Alex said this thing. When you remember that, guys, that is putting you, when you spread that low vibrational energy and you write negative stuff, that's fine. I actually encourage you guys to write your opinion. But I'm just saying, 
It's when you spread that good vibrational energy and you say the good positive, you get the positive back. When you spread that low vibrational energy, guys, you get the low vibrational back. So you get what you give. So remember that when you're making the decision, when you're trying to show us some love, you're trying to show the Aerie Brothers love. I just want to say I love you guys for watching. I appreciate you watching. And I especially love these guys, Jimmy and Rich. You guys need to all go give them a follow on Instagram. Go follow them on Twitter. And especially go leave a five-star review. So anything else before we go, guys? Just to piggyback off of that, one of the things we like to say over here at Airy Bros Radio, Alex, is when everybody does better, everybody does better. So we're always trying to lift each other up. A rising tide raises all ships. And that's what we need, guys. We all need to raise each other up because the evildoers and social engineers that rule the world, they want to keep us oppressed. They want to keep us down in a low vibrational energy and keep us fighting with one another. So uh, remember, let's team up. Let's let's group up. And Jimmy, what do you got to say before we go? Alex, thank you so much for having us on the Conspiracy Castle. This was awesome. I appreciate the work you do so much. Tell uh, tell that cat we want him on here next time, dangling that string. But uh, you like the string, awesome okay? Oh, now I now I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. more string dangling. See, Jimmy, just the little things like that. That's what I like. The little nuance of what the people like. Now I know more string dangling. All right, more string dangling for everybody. String dangling buffet. Jimmy Rich, Airy Brothers, go leave a good review, guys. Go follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter. Thank you.